Colliding Worlds is sponsored in part by CAMVR, home of the only one jewelry, accessories, and repurposed clothing. You can find us on Facebook at the Unique Jewelry Designs of Angela Valenti Romeo, or on Shopify, or online at angelavalentiromeo.com. Please contact us before making any purchase. Our merchandise changes often, and yes, there's only one. You'll never find yourself coming and going in our designs. AMVR, home of the only one jewelry, accessories, and repurposed clothing. And yeah, it's a little bit of a different background because we're on the road. I'm going to bring on somebody that I have a lot of respect for. She does so many things, not just for her family, but her community, but everybody around her. And I'm going to start by showing a little video so you get an idea of a little bit about Anika Brown. And we're going to look at, here we go. I'm very innovative. I'm very colorful. I'm very loving. I'm Anika Brown, and I think that all comes through my clothing. I'm the designer of garments that are made in African wax cloth. It's very important to me that I educate my client on what this cloth is, so you can take that back and educate the next person when I design. I take these classic silhouettes from that mid-century modern time period, and I like to modernize it with the African wax cloth. People just feel good in my clothes. They make you happy. They're cheerful. I put a little bit of love of myself in each garment that I design, each particular fabric that I choose. I love to go downtown Palm Springs. There's always colors and excitement, and that is where I draw inspiration from the colors and people's reaction to the colors. Greater Palm Springs is becoming something exciting, something beautiful. It's a melting pot of a different colors, it's beautiful mosaics. It's whatever you want it to be, you can find it throughout Greater Palm Springs. Consider that New Year's resolutions oh, are not here we go. this year. You need real solutions. We got, we got sidetracked there, but that's a little bit of a Nika, and I'm bringing her on to the stage right now. Um, welcome. Hello. Thanks for Anika. having me. Okay, so now let's talk a little bit about how you got here. I mean, you're a mom. Yes, you're a wife. Uh -huh. You're an entrepreneur, and you you really have taken on a lot of responsibility about bringing awareness, um, cultural awareness, to different things. And oh, you you mentioned wax cloth, but you you it's more than that. So how did how did this journey start for you? Well, um, I've always loved fashion. I actually started designing um, after I was diagnosed with. Um, adult onset asthma and COPD. Um, I use a medication called prednisone and it causes extreme weight gain. 
and just lack of finding anything cute to wear. So um, what I did was I took, it was like a cami type top and I went to a thrift shop and I found some hammer pants and I put it on a mannequin and I just envisioned this jumpsuit um, that had a dropped crotch and that was baggy, but it was still chic. So it was made out of a poly blend and I found a factory that would fabricate it for me. So they did, they sent me a sample and I really loved it. And they had like 12 different colors. And so I bought all the colors and I had no intention on this being a business. I was just wearing it out one time with a kimono over it. And Keisha D, a friend of mine saw it and asked where I got it from. I told her. So she was like, make me one in every color. And then you came along. And, <laughs> and I have one in every color. <laughs> you had to have every color. And so you both were just like, you should be designing. And so I talked to my husband and um, I did it the non-conventional way. I didn't take out any loans or anything. I just took like, I think it was like 250 bucks out of our account. And I had several jumpsuits made and I would just do pop-ups with this one jumpsuit. And here we are, what, 14 years later? <laughs> oh my God, has it been that long? Um, I think 12 actually. I think it's 12. Come on, don't make us older than we are. <laughs> right. So I uh, started with that one jumpsuit, and now I've branched off. I have two separate lines. I have the ABD, which is my ready to wear, and then which that jumpsuit falls under. And then I've got Anika Brown designs, which are my actual original designs that I use African wax cloth from throughout different regions of Africa to have made. And I'm going to say that the clothes are, are beautiful, but this wasn't an easy journey. I mean, it, it didn't happen like overnight. It, it, took, it took some time to get where you are. And you really faced a lot of obstacles in getting there. Um, I, I've known Anika since she started this. And that was, yes, one of her first clients. And it had, it had all to do with the fact that the clothes were easy and they were comfortable and they were fun to wear. But I also know... I watched her struggle. I watched her struggle to bring these designs to a larger audience. And you faced a lot of pushback. In, why was I that? really have. And it really was difficult. Um, and it just took a lot of tenacity and it took a lot of strength. There were times that I thought about giving up, you know, you know, because I would call you and you know, being depressed and just wanting to give this up. And, you know, between you and Keisha and my husband, you just gave me the wherewithal to have the perseverance to keep moving along. And I'm really glad that I did because it has really, I mean, I'm in the early stages of taking off, you know, um, currently I'm being carried right now at uh, the boutique spa inside Hotel Paseo. I just got picked up by uh, PS Homeboys. It's in Palm Springs. Uh, the museum gift shop. After I do my fashion show there, they're going to carry select pieces there. And um, that art, that we're talking about the Palm Springs Art Museum, um, and that you'll be having a fashion show there. Um, what what date was that? The fifteenth. It's February fifteenth. Yes. And after that, yes. you'll have some of your items available in the in the gift shop. In the gift shop there, yeah, after the fashion show. Then, yeah, there will be select items that will be available in the gift shop there at the museum. So I'm starting to find 
finally see the fruits of my labor and I'm loving it. And I'm glad for, and I'm extremely appreciative of people like you that just supported me and stuck in there with me. And you had the confidence in myself that I didn't have and I continue to go with it. Now I couldn't be more pleased. One of the, one of my favorite dresses and it was a, it was a white gown. Um, do you remember that one? And I wore it to the Yes, film because festival. that was the first piece I did that wasn't an African wax cloth. And it was just such, it was, it was a labor and of we, love. And it was a great dress and it, it actually landed us on Getty. <laughs> it, it really did, one the, yes. It, one yeah, of the first really images did. for Getty images, it was there. And that dress was, and I laughed because that dress was, it was sexy. It was everything you wanted in a gown. You could easily wear it. And I was fond of telling people, I can put it in the washing machine. It was just, yeah, it was actually, just a great piece. I'm actually glad that I did step outside my comfort zone and, and, and do pieces like that. You know, you saw that piece and yeah, you were to the Steve Chase, and you looked like a million bucks. <laughs> I mean, well, you looked like a million bucks in anything you put on. But yeah, that that was one of my proudest moments because just to see that dress come to life like that was just mind blowing. Because that was the first piece that I had done that actually had some intricacy into it. And this is the thing: is as a designer, you grew, but you always stayed really kind of true to the passion, which was the African wax cloth and, and, and those kinds of, and those designs that, that meant something to you. I'm looking at this one here and I showed this slide before. This was from Fashion Week. This piece was just, it was just beautiful. It, it made an entrance coming and going. Um, talk a little bit about how this design um, came to life. And I, I mean, I love the print. It's just the print is Ideally, awesome. what I how I started was I took these classic silhouettes and I would modernize them. Like I took the kimonos and the caftans that were popular during the mid-century modern time frame, and I would just modernize them by incorporating the African wax cloth, and then I would change the silhouette a little bit, like with this, the one that's up on the screen. That actually served dual purpose. That was a kimono, and it could also be worn as a wrap dress. But um, what I did was I added the bell sleeve to it and the train, and it just made it this sight to see. Like you said, you made an entrance, and when you were exiting, it was something to behold as well. So that's essentially what I like to do. I love to take classic silhouettes, and I love to modernize them. And one of the big things I'm doing with my line right now is that all of the pieces are reversible. So you're getting two for the price of one. And that's a cool thing, though. In, in this particular photo, I'm bringing up again, because what's interesting about this, there's men's wear, there's women's wear. You've got these hats that you've designed. And, it, and if you look closely, you'll see some of the jewelry that's also part of Anika Brown. It, it, all, it all ties together. Um, you've yes, done I designed the jewelry. And those hats, I, I really love those hats because those are the oversized hats. But if you look closely at the brim, it's a... a has wire in the tip so you can fold it to you can make it look like a cowboy you hat you can slant it you fold it up so it 
folds up into this little tiny square so you, it's easy to travel with and then it just snaps right back into place it's it, it, when you thought about it i mean this is one of the things i like about your work is that you thought about it i mean there's just there's never a part that you that you did that you just haphazardly threw together it, it there's you let's go to the hats they're beautiful hats they they several things that protect you from the sun and they're fashionable they're you see somebody in that hat you see them coming and going it makes an entrance and it makes an exit but at the same time you thought about okay i have this hat i can wear it where if i can't travel with it it's compact i can take it with me it's it's a lot of it's a lot of thought that goes into things like that and it's reversible i'm going to show a photo here um this is myself and John, we were in her fashion show, and this jacket is one of the reversible ones. Yes, um, it is, uh, that John has on in the shorts as well. Your set is not reversible that you have on in that picture, because I thought about doing the reversibility after, but John's outfit is totally reversible. The shorts have it. And it's kind of cool, because what I like about this jacket is, it, it's like anything else, he wears it, we can take it someplace. He's got two for the price of one. And it's always interesting because it's not a kind of thing you see coming and going. Um, and, and, and that's, that's kind of the neat thing. You've thought about it. And here again, I look at this fabric. It's a very much of a mid-century modern design, uh -huh. but it's contemporary. And exactly. And, and see, my whole thing is that I, I believe that fashion should be functional. You know, uh, with the pandemic that happened, a lot of people uh, don't have the money that they had nowadays to spend on clothing. So making it reversible just adds another layer to it and makes it more functional. Well, that's the other thing. You know, for the there's very few pieces in this collection that I I, I would say it's not anything to do with quality because the quality is there. There's nothing here that's overly expensive. You're not going to need to get a loan or break the bank to to own a piece of Anika Brown. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think of what the most, and I, I, and I confess, I, what do I have, about 40 pieces of yours? <laughs> oh, I, I would say double that. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> probably have about 100 pieces from over the years, yeah. But the thing about it, there was never any one particular piece that was outrageously expensive. I mean, you you really did an excellent job of keeping quality and price in consideration. Well, yeah, because I'm not made of money, so I don't expect my consumer to be made of money. So I, I always design with that in mind. And when I'm going and pricing pieces, I always keep that in mind because everybody's not made of money. Well, the other thing too is, in, and I go back to the clothing, the designs are very unique and you, you've done an excellent job of being true, but they're not repetitive. It's like, it's like one of the things I was, it was Dolce and Gabbana always does the same leopard. Okay. Uh -huh. I've seen it like forever. And I'm not seeing that in any of your collection. It's always something, every time there's a new, new something coming out, there's, there's something a little different about it. It, how do you keep that creative spark going? I mean, it would be so easy just to sit back and go, mm, I don't need to do this anymore. Yeah, well, for me, I don't like to look back 
Uh, we like to look forward. And if there are pieces that I do want to incorporate into another line because they were just that phenomenal, I'm still going to rack my brain and think of a way to change it. Um, I believe in growth. So to me, repeating something just doesn't feed my creativity and my need to grow. Oh, there's no that doubt about that. Sense. Oh, it makes a ton of sense. And here's and here's the thing. It's like when it, it kind of, there's no fun in it anymore. You know, there's no fun in it. I think if you're a designer, if you're doing the same thing over and over again, and there are certain designers that it was cute when they did it, but 30 years later, it's not cute anymore. It's always yeah, the same. Yeah. And, and, and I respect my consumer too much to, to be that haphazard. You You're know, not. I really know that people, when they, because I've um, amassed this reputation for being a person that thinks outside of the box, I never want to let my consumer down. So I'm always racking my brain for the next thing that I can do. I always laugh because Anika will go to me, you got to wear this. And I'm like, ah, I don't know, you know. And I was reluctant, frankly, to wear the wax cloth. <laughs> You really um, weren't. A lot of people are, but it's like I, the way I explain it, because right now we're going through a time where cultural appropriation is a thing. And I always have to explain to my consumer that you wear an African wax cloth as long as it's not a ceremonial print that's reserved for certain royalty or for certain members of tribes. It's a cultural appreciation, not appropriation. And, and, this is, and, and I agree with you. And the funny part was it was just it was this mental block about the material that it would be difficult to wear. Um, yeah, and it's really not. I mean, once you get because it, it's kind of heavy and you have to excuse my nasally sound. I'm, I'm kind of stuffy. This uh, Coachella Valley. Air quality isn't that good, so it's really doing it up on my sinuses. But um, it's a heavier, because African wax cloth is 100% cotton. But then what they do is that they use wax in the dyeing process, and that's where you get this uh, beautiful vibrancy. And with the wax, it really locks it into the fabric so it's never going to fade. I mean, you can wash a piece a hundred times and it'll still have the same vibrancy. And so you really have to kind of get used to, because it's a, it's a unique feel for sure. It, 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 it truly is. But at the same time, it's not something that's an uncomfortable feel. No, um, it's, not, it, it's just a little heavier than what you're used to. And I think um, I look at this one. This to me, and I actually don't have this exact one, no. but I have one that's very similar. You do. <laughs> it's it was it was easy to wear. Um, and that's my whole thing is I, I a chic and comfortable. That's what I want every piece I put out to be chic and comfortable. So so why do you think you have so much pushback? with your work and and again i'm going to say she did get pushed back and i know that for a, re a fact but i also know that there was also a reluctance for some people because your designs were meant to be worn by everybody not I just think, 
Exactly. I, I think I got pushed back because of the fact that I was designing in this African wax cloth. So people thought that my designs and my pieces were only for people of color. And so there was a lot of resistance. And then, like I said, like you would wear stuff out and through you. I got other clients who just realized, you know what? It's a beautiful fabric and yeah, I'm going to do this. And that's why I said it goes into the cultural appreciation because when you're wearing pieces, you can educate people as to what they are that know nothing about African wax cloth. But because you have all that piece, you can take out and you can tell them, oh, yeah, you know, this is African wax cloth, yada, 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 yada. So then you're, in essence, educating somebody that didn't necessarily know about what African wax cloth is. And it's weird because it's like when I talk to people, uh, early on, I would get pushed back, but then I would always bring up, I would say, okay, I said, well, you know, you're unknowingly, if you own Louis Vuitton, you have unknowingly worn something that comes from Africa. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, if you look at the little charms that are in the Louis Vuitton fabric, those charms, those little symbols are actually symbols that are from ancient Africa. And then the, the uh, print that Versace uses, mm -hmm. that actually came from Cambodia. Or sorry, Cameroon. It's called the Cameroonian Key. So if you're wearing these high-end designers, you're unknowingly already wearing something that has its roots in Africa. It was, it's also was an interesting thing. This is an outfit that I, I wore um, for a photo shoot for Anika several years ago. Um, what was interesting about it was the skirt, the belt, the top, all had elements that someone would consider quote unquote ethnic. Uh -huh. I put that outfit on. There's nothing about that outfit and I own this shirt too. Um, <laughs> there's, there's nothing yeah, about that, that outfit that looks out of place on someone like me. Um, and I'm a 60 something year old person here. Um, it doesn't look out of place. And, and this, I think, was a, a, something I think you had to overcome was that, that whole idea that this was meant for certain people. Exactly. And it wasn't. Um, the also, I got to tell you, when I look at Anika's work and I look at some of the people that have worn her clothes, they're short and stout. They're tall and thin. They're male. They're female. I mean, they're they're kind of all over the place, and everything everything looks just works. It just works so well. Um, it, it's it always struck me as why is there so much reluctance? Is it's I, I'm always fascinated by, by the fear people have of clothes. And I, they I don't really do because they feel no. like it's overwhelming. And to me, I've, I'm always asked what my, um, what I would say my target audience is. And I don't have a target audience. My target audience is people that like to feel good in clothes. People that love vibrancy and color. You know, to me, vibrancy and color translates into happiness. And but so, no, but there's more like to it than that, you know. I think, um, yeah. 
look at this. I mean, you, you want to talk happy? This is this is a happy a happy individual wearing great clothes. Um, in that particular piece, I think I own this one too. You do. <laughs> you do. <laughs> yeah, and we're talking about people from uh, you know a swath across the world that can wear these designs, and it, it's always struck me that it was why why you had to fight so hard and, and what really got me was how hard you had to fight for getting people to understand again that you don't have to be you know five foot ten and 82 pounds to wear these clothes these designs really did lend themselves to all body types when you You've done fashion shows. When you do your own shows, you have a parade of models of all different sizes. But sometimes when you do more traditional shows, like a fashion week type of thing, you're you're kind of pigeonholed into using a certain type of model. And I really um, am, and that's one of the things that frustrates me is that I believe that a true designer could take a person of any size any ethnicity and any age and make that person look fabulous. And so when I decided to take this on as a full-time thing, the reason why I took it on just translated into my shows. So whenever I would do fashion shows, I sought out to be inclusive and I wanted my models to look like my friends. And half the time they were my, I mean, you were one of my one of my models. You've been in everything I've done. Well, not now because you moved. But um, I'm ready to come back to do a couple of these shows because I really I do appreciate the clothes. Yeah. But, but why is it so hard sometimes for people to think fashion is limited to to twenty something year olds? It's because these preconceived notions and this box that the fashion industry has created that they have not been willing to break themselves out of. I know that when I first started out, um, and I modeled for a while, ages ago, in the dark ages, like way, way back. Um, and it was, I'm, I'm five foot eight. I was five foot eight and 88 pounds. And I was told I was too fat. And... It, it's, you know, 88 pounds is like I was wearing like a double zero, you know, whatever. And you're still yeah. considered. And, and that's not the reality of who who people are. Um, the average person is not that size. And, no, in, fashion, and fashion should be for everybody. And I used to think, when, you know, when you're a kid, you think, oh, my God, when I hit 30, I'm going to have to wear a muumuu or, you know, or, yeah. you know whatever. so old. Oh my God, you know, and and it's not, it, I look at people and, and they're not like that. And I'm glad to see that people are stepping out of their comfort zone. Um, and I've seen you push people. You pushed my guy, John, when my John. When we, when we first showed it to him, he was scared. Yeah. And he, and then he, then he has a couple of other pieces and it's, there's a confidence that comes with the clothes that you are wearing them. They're not wearing you. Exactly. And there's confidence that comes with the design and the color. And, and, and John, before, before I met him, was an accountant. And so, yeah, this is totally out of his comfort zone. But he did it, and he adapted well. And, he, and I'm telling you, he wears, there's two jackets that he has that he wears all the time. 
it was amazing that people once they get over that fear uh, once they get in my clothes i can't get them out of them because it's just a, like it it's just a euphoric feeling of happiness and it just i can't describe it i mean i get tingles thinking about how i have transformed people who think oh i can't wear this i can't pull this off i can't do this i can't do can't isn't in my vocabulary I, 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 I just think it's yes there are times where you know you put on something and i and i admit i've i've, I've had tried on some of anika's things and i felt overwhelmed in it um and i think partly it was some of the ones that were like really really big i don't like big roughly things and so a couple of times but they looked good on and then you kind of yeah. got used to it i'm, I'm going to say that you know the kimono people people are reluctant to go to kaftan and kimono oh my god i wore i wore one of hers one time i'm walking down the street on el paseo i could have sold that thing off my back like a hundred because that happens a lot <laughs> well the funny thing was and i'm gonna go back and tell that story she's like you can't buy this piece it's way too big for you i'm like no, it's not. I can make it work. And I it was an oversized caftan. And I you really I, did, yeah. I had you a really belt did. with it and I threw a pin on the shoulder and out the door we went. Um it's it's amazing what you can do with these designs and that they are functional. And what's cool about Anika, I mean, she may be working with the African wax cloth, but there's so much more that you're doing. I want to talk about some of the some of the events that you're involved in. Um, you've got a unity fest coming up. Um, you've done you've done a lot of other events in and around Palm Springs to bring awareness to to um, Black History Month, to Black culture, to you know making certain things people I don't know they either don't are ignorant about or don't uh, don't understand. And you've worked tirelessly. You and Keisha have worked tirelessly on some of these projects. And yeah, of that. Well, because the whole idea is that, I mean, even in 2024, people get their ideas of what people of color are like based upon what they see in the mainstream media, what they see on TV. And so what really got me wanting to do that event is when I met people that you could tell that they didn't have friends of color or they didn't grow up around people of color. I would always get that Keisha too. Well, you're different. Okay. Well, how am I different? How so? And it's because they've always got these preconceived notions about what people of color are like based upon what they see on TV, not realizing that we're just like everybody else. We're just like everybody else. You know, we're not, you know, we're not a singular being. And so Keisha and I started the Black History event because I set out to educate people on Black history, things that aren't taught in the school systems or figures. Um, every year I would take 20 figures and I would highlight them. And that's what you would come learn about at the Black History event. Uh, I made flashcards. So people that bought VIP tickets would get these flashcards. And if you came to every event, you've got like 50 flashcards now of people like Dorothy Dandridge, um, Sammy Davis Jr., James Baldwin, um, just all of these figures that people don't know much about, like Stid Hughes, Basquiat, before he became the highest selling 
artist because of the piece he sold. He was one of the people that I showcased because I absolutely adored his work and not very, not very, very many people knew about him. You also did this, and even before that, Anika had a gallery, had an art gallery. And, I did. Um, That's right. I totally forgot about that. I did not forget about that because I interviewed several of your artists on another show. Yeah, it was it was interesting um, that you know to bring and you had one of the artists who designed a stamp. Yes, um, uh, I had Charles Bibbs. Yeah. So and, and, what Charles Bibbs did was he was uh, actually the first artist to be contracted through a major studio, and it was Fox Searchlight, and it was the movie The Secret Life of Bees. And so the Black Madonna that is in that movie, actually Charles Bibbs did. And when I had my gallery, the idea of I opened it was because I wanted to showcase artists of color. Uh, I started off in the interior design field, and when I would go to buy art, I would go to galleries like Coda, Michael H. Lord, and I never saw African-American artists in the galleries. And so I happened to be speaking to one of the, uh, it was a manager at the time of the Michael H. Lord. He's like, can I be frank with you? And I said, yes, please do. Because for the life of me, I didn't understand, like, Charles Bibbs has phenomenal work, why he wasn't in any of these galleries. And so they essentially broke it down to me as that if you are an artist from Africa and you're Black, you have a better chance of making it in the U.S. because African-American art isn't seen as art. And that's the way it was brought to me. I said, okay, so... If this is the way the artwork feels, I could open up a gallery here. And so I opened up a gallery and I showcased not just African-American artists, but I had Mexican-American, I had LGBTQIA. It was all of the artists that at the time were, didn't have a venue to be showcased because there was this preconceived notion that people would not appreciate their art. And to me, I've always been, if you appreciate the art, you appreciate it. It doesn't matter the subject in it. If you appreciate the art, hang it in your house. And so Charles, mm -hmm. I opened that gallery with Bibbs being the, um, the main person I showed. And he sold, mm -hmm. I, I believe that opening night, I sold like six pieces because his work is just so phenomenal and so beautiful. What was interesting is there's a there's and I've been involved in the art community in different ways. I did have my own gallery as well for a while, and to your point, there were there was your gallery and one other gallery that showcased more of a wider variety, a wider diversity of art. Um, there weren't a lot um, that did, and I could never quite figure it figure it out myself. And it was to your point, it was if it came from somewhere else, it was good. If yeah, it was because there's so many eroticism behind. A, 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 there's something about being a, having an artist from Kenya that makes it exotic, or from Nigeria or Jamaica that makes it exotic. But if the artist is from America and they happen to be black, the there's no exoticism around that. It's just okay. Uh. It was <laughs> funny. We won one of the things, the old Bill Cosby show, before Bill Cosby went off the deep end, when he had the show, the artwork that was showcased in their home 
Yes. It was mostly done by African-American artists. Yes. And they, had, they had several Roman beard there. And it, yeah, was, it and, was interesting. And, that was like the first time people actually saw in, in a wide scale U.S. African-American artists. It was... Yeah. It took that show. It was like Cheech Marin with Chicano art. It, exactly. It's, I don't get this. You know, I don't understand. Um, when I had my gallery, we had a smattering of people. Uh -huh. um, and it was always interesting to me. It was because I always got the that look like, what are you doing now? And I'm, my, my mentor says, it's my gallery. I can do whatever the hell I want. Um, it, but it was it's just it was just so funny. Now your gallery, and I remember it, it had some beautiful pieces. And and you hit established artists like Charles, but you also gave an opportunity to up and coming artists. Yes, you, I did. You gave them a spot. You made them feel I hate to say that, you made them feel like an artist. Like you know, it, 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 that it was it was okay to be to be black, to be gay, to be whatever, and to be an artist, and you deserve the respect for what you did. Exactly. It's a great gallery. Yeah. The only reason why I closed it is because I had it at a time where Palm Canyon, during that stretch, there was all of maybe five galleries. And now Palm Canyon, that stretch in Indian, there's probably 30 galleries. So... I ended up you, and I, you, and, you and I were ahead of the curve because when I had we my really gallery, were. We, we, really we, were. Like, we were out in the middle of nowhere trying to do what we could. And then, you know, things, things change, obviously. But what was really cool about that gallery and was the fact that these were artists that the average person may not have known who they were, not have had an opportunity to see their work. Um, and But you, you gave them us not just a space on the wall you gave them someone else's voice to say look look what they can do and and that was really that was really cool and i and actually i think i met you for the first time at one of those gallery openings it um, was and then you you came to my gallery and that's how we actually met yeah yeah and it was it was interesting because she, the one thing about anika is that girl is not shy and she is gonna if, if she's if she is on your side, she is the greatest champion. When um, when Anika did have the gallery again, it was a time where a lot of people wouldn't have known who these people were. Um, she also then when she went into doing these events with Black History Month and whatnot, what she was able to do with a budget of like nothing was open up a whole world to people. That that they may have seen but didn't really pay attention to. And yeah, that was kind of a cool thing. And you're and you're from you grew up in this area for the most part. Yeah, so, I, my family has been it. in Palm Springs since '78. Yeah. So you've seen it all come through. I mean, so aside from not it's not just the clothes. I mean, you, you're actually you actually have a commitment to. To, to who you are, but in, and you also have a commitment to cultural awareness. Um, yeah. Do you do you think that sometimes being so outspoken has has hindered you know getting your work out or? Well, most definitely it has. I you know how many times I've been told oh, if you could just shut up you'd be richer. 
You're not going to do that. We all would be richer if we all shut up, but we don't. But why should you? I mean, do you exactly? I just, I am just compelled to speak up and out against things and for things. So I'm not one that I'm not complicit in sitting in silence. No, that way. No, and 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 you have to go back and look at you. You had, you've done a lot. Um, I, there's, I, I've seen pictures of Anika when she's channeling, you know, um, I know God, I'm blanking on the name when you, uh, Jacqueline Baker, um, Oh, Josephine Baker. Josephine Baker. Yeah, sorry, like Justin, Josephine Baker, that one. Yeah. That, I mean, you, before, you, that was before the prednisone. And uh, yeah, I recreated I recreated her banana costume out of real bananas, and I did a dance, and I basically recreated a, a scene that Lynn Woodfield did in that movie as part of a, a, as part of an event to educate people about who uh, Josephine Baker is and was. I knew who she was and my mind just went blank. It was a senior moment. I'm getting old. I'm, I'm entitled to my senior moment. Um, but, but you, but you stay that way and, and you have to, I have to go back and I have to ask, I mean, you know, what does your family think? I mean, your, you, you know, your, 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 what do your parents think about having a daughter who's so outspoken and what, how did you, know, and, and they wouldn't have it any other way. And that's my point. Is yeah, I was going to say, you've always been that way. The other way. And your children are both, you know, are just as active as well. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, because it, it you're only on this planet for a short amount of time, and the legacy, especially now that I'm a BB, uh, that Swahili for grandma, uh, my oldest, my 28 year old Jaslyn, she is the love of my life, but. The legacy I leave behind for her, I want it to be one of a strong, powerful, passionate woman. And she's got a great role model. And you know, both of your I think both your sons are in the music business, aren't they? Uh no, my older son is. My older son is uh, an underground rapper but he also uh, mixes and masters all his own music. And now he has an entertainment company called Savstar. And what he does is he provides local Coachella Valley artists a chance to be heard and seen through these showcases he puts on once a month at Bart Lounge. Uh, my this, old, that's my his, older son. And his, and his, and his moniker is DJ... Or, uh, no, um, Young Savage, Con? Con, Sa uh, Con Savage is his, is, his, is his name. Con Savage is his name, yeah. So then my younger son um, is in the marijuana industry, and he's also a gamer. That's right. Yeah. But they had good role models. And and, and, uh, and Nika's husband, Ethan, was also um, acted in my show. Oh, yeah. he's a trooper. He created a mon No, you created a monster. He he yeah. seriously became full of himself. He wanted a trailer. He felt he needed two agents. We create monsters. That's what we're good at. We really did. What I but what I admire about Anika is the the person that I that I see. She it's 
and I've known for a while, it's just always the same. You don't back down. And I've, and I've heard stories, you know, we, we've talked about doing um, a documentary about something that happened when you were a teenager um, uh-huh. and you fought through that. Um, I saw you with this, this line. I saw you with the gallery. I mean, the gallery to me was amazing. Just what you had, the quality of the work was amazing. But the other, and I saw her fight through that. I saw her fight through this clothing line just to gain acceptance. And it, it shouldn't have been that hard, but it was. Right. Look at the events that you've done, and they started small, and they keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and you, you've got coming up at the museum in February on the 15th. Uh, you're going to be highlighted there as a fashion show. You have another show coming up in March. It, it didn't happen. It, it, it looks like it happened so seamlessly, but it never, it never really was. I mean, yeah. did you ever think about just saying, you know what, I don't need to do this. I, I can, I, I just want to give up. I mean, plenty that, of times, the, plenty but, of times but I just kept going, you know, and it's even with uh, my cultural events I do um, to me, um, Number The number seven is completion. And so my Black History event, I went out on the seventh year. And then I told myself that I was going to dedicate the time to my business, all my time to my business so that I could, you know, make this the best it, it could be. And I couldn't even sit my ass down and stop doing cultural events because I felt an obligation and then on top of that, um, one of my sponsors, Contour Dermatology, uh, Lee and, and Dr. Joe should have just been so supportive of me bringing cultural awareness to the Coachella Valley that when I, was, I wasn't going to do it a, again, um, there was a little bit of disappointment. And then when I, I kind of announced I, that I wasn't going to do it anymore, the people that came to the events there was an air of sadness. And so that is where the cultural, the Unity Fest was burned. So I took it out of February, it's in March, and I still will bring on the black history element, but then I'm also incorporating so many other things uh, from different cultures and uh, different groups from the Valley to make it more of a multicultural event so you're coming and you're learning about several people's cultures. When is the Unity event? I, it's March. Unity Fest is uh, Sunday, March 10th. It's at the Palm Springs Cultural Center. And I'm bringing out a guest celebrity, uh, Miss Trina Parks. She was the first Black Bond girl. She played Thumper in Diamonds Are Forever. So she will be in attendance. She famously came off, she fights um, the, she fights um, Bond off the, the infamous Lautner Rock at the old Bob Hope house. Oh um, yeah, yeah, it was filmed out here. Yeah, it was uh, the L Rod house, I think is what it's called. I forget what it's called now. They changed the name. But yeah, that, that, that scene was filmed here. It was her and, and Bambi and they took turns Giving it to yep. some lottery. Yep. That's, That's so 16. Funny. Oh my gosh, it's still a great scene. The other, scene. Thing, 
other th I mean, your Unity Fest, this is happening, but the one other thing that I know that you do is Anika does these kind of like silent fundraisers where she'll highlight, you know, if, if, you know, she'll do a project that will benefit, you know, art supplies in a school or um, bracelets that, you know, help support women in, in, in Africa and in these smaller, you know, smaller tribes of people who are really living on the poverty line. You don't, you don't have to do these things, but you do. Well, I'm um, compelled to do them because I believe I was put on this planet to serve and to bring awareness to people that don't have the means that I have. And that's not to say that I'm rich because I'm not. I'm, I'm rich when it comes to my friends and my family. But as far as financially, I'm struggling like the next person. But I don't have to worry about where my next meal is going to come from. Or I don't have to worry about where I'm going to lay my head. You know, so I don't take these things for granted. And there are so many people and it's and children, really, that it just eats at my soul that there are children out there that may not know where their next their, their next meal is gonna come from. Or like you were saying with the artists, like with Unity Fest, with when I started my Black History event, um, like two or three years into it, I met these uh, a group of kids that were artists uh, from the ages of like eight to like 14, 16, 17. So what I started doing is Anika Brown Designs, I sponsor the youth artists to participate in these events. So I will pay for their booth and their parent has to be there because they pay the, the pictures and then they're able to interact with the art buying crowd and then they keep the proceeds from the art sales. And so one thing I found was this year, um, a lot of the parents just could not afford to buy the supplies. Or maybe this, they, the, it was few and far between what they, should, what they could get. And so I do these little mini fundraisers and the money is used to buy canvases, paints, tabletop easels, everything they need to have their little studio. It's it's kind of an interesting event when you work with kids and in, in who are in the arts. Um, one year, I I sponsored um, a project at Olive Crest with the kids, and we bought canvases. And they had the kids um, painted these canvases in a fundraiser. I think they sold them for like ten dollars. Um, but I remember donating the canvases, and it was interesting to watch them create. What you're doing. And what I like, because a lot of times people don't understand that art is not just being creative, it's a business. And, and that's what I want to instill in the kids and the parents. Uh, last year, I had one kid that made close to three grand selling his stuff. That That's how good it was. And so, this is where they have to learn these things. They, they have to learn these skills because... When you, and your son's in the music business, I was in the music business. You get these people who come into this and they're just all into being creative, but no one's explained to them that there's a business. And again, you're you're creating a cultural event. You're giving people an opportunity not only to showcase their work, but with these younger people, you're giving them the opportunity to understand that your talent may be from God, but you're only going to survive 
by being a business person. And then too, it's like the parents, they don't, they have these talented kids that might not necessarily know what to do with them. And so another thing I do was I connected uh, Bernard Hoyes, who is a, a Jamaican artist who's um, pretty big. Um, I connected him with younger so he, you know, can tell the parents, this kid in particular, who this year he'll be a senior, but Bernard gave the parent, the, the mom, a list of art schools to try to get the son into after college. I mean, after high school. Because some of these parents, they're not aware that there are that art could be a legitimate career. Because you always hear the story about the starving artist and yada, yada, yada. And so they don't real, realize the viability of being an artist, that you can't make a living at doing it. And, 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 the, and again, I go back to when I was working, practicing more in law, and I would, I would every once in a while get a young child who was you know, signed to a music contract. And actually, one of the children I worked with, she was 10 at the time. She's almost 30 now, and she signed. She's doing well. She's with Warner Chaparral. But I used to make them sit in the negotiations because I wanted them, even though they might not understand, they had to understand that there was an importance to what they did, but they needed to know there was another side to this. And the art world has another side, and it's not – it's not all, you know, unicorns and roses and all that stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of things that can happen, especially um, with a young artist whose designs can be misappropriated or whatever. But it's it's good to do that. And it, it's always been kind of a cool thing with you that you, you gave this opportunity. It, seem, it, it may seem small in the grand scheme of things to somebody looking from the inside out, but it's monumental when you're that individual and again this is something you you don't have to do and you do so i i sit back and i watch the mom and this is a mama bear and i've seen her she is very protective of her family and she is the biggest cheerleader of all both her children she's she's a she's a wife she's an entrepreneur She's a philanthropist. She's doing all of these things and kind of still being under the radar for no particular reason. Um, I want to see Anika Brown like all over the place and not just in my closet. Thank you very much. I want to see this. I want to see all of you. I want to see you grow. And I think this is your year. You've got two big things. And then you also have um, an opportunity now with a major retailer. Um, yes. Uh-huh. Talk about that a little bit. Macy's. So what I will be doing is in select stores uh, throughout the year, I will be doing in-store designer pop-ups. Yeah, so I'm starting. My first one will be March 16th at the San, uh, Santee location, which is just outside of San Diego. So, yes, I, I, I really do. I believe that this is going to be my year where I'm going to have that breakthrough. Now, how is that going to work? So people will go to Macy's. Will you be there just for a day? Um, I will be, will there, be there just over? for a day at that at each particular location with uh, a smattering of my collection. So I'll be able to interact with the buying crowds and they'll be able to purchase purchase pieces. Or if I don't have them there, then they can do ordering. And so I will just travel through different Macy's doing that for a, a year. 
and we'll we will definitely do all we can to help you promote it. I think I think the thing that will be interesting is watching people's reaction. Um, and you've had, and this is the other thing that Anika has. She has celebrities wearing her outfits on the red carpet. And what I really find sometimes is that, well, gee, if they can do it and I can do it, it's great. Uh, you you posted recently, Sherry, Sherry Belafonte wearing uh -huh. one of your outfits. Um, yes. It's, she wears it proudly and she looks she stunning with it, you know? She's been a supporter of mine for, I would say, for the last five years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She actually, what I loved is that Tyler Perry opened up a studio and named it after her father. And so she went out to the christening of it. And so inside this Tyler Perry book, there's Sherry wearing Anika Brown. She's not the only celebrity who's worn your designs. No, uh, Pamela Anderson wore a dress of mine. Um, Richard Pryor Jr., Trina Parks, uh, Michelle Williams. Yeah. See, it's, it's kind of like a good thing. And so here you are able to, you know, actually own a piece of Anika Brown designs that you know, celebrities a-listers have worn and worn and worn beautifully, but you have an opportunity to own it. I think the Macy's um, pop-ups will certainly widen um, your audience. Um, what do you hope will, what do you hope will happen? Um, that's a big commitment to be doing pop-ups for um, a year. What are you hoping will happen? Well, I'm hoping that uh, the interaction with my with potential clients, I'm hoping to gain a little insight on that. And then at the end of the project, I would love to be in their stores worldwide. I and I think I think that's a distinct possibility. I mean, again, what I, what we're, let's go. We're jumping all over the place because this woman does so many things. But what's really interesting about her designs, I think, is there's color. There's there's something in it for everybody. They are, they're bold and they're unique, but they're totally wearable. I mean, every time I look at this dress and I'm like, you could wear this with sneakers. You could wear it with thigh high boots. You could, uh -huh. you, you could dress it up or dress it down. It's, it's completely versatile. And, and that's, and, and people are happy. I mean, these are happy people wearing these clothes, and you can't help but not be happy. You can't help um, but to smile and be happy because they're infectious. Oh, they're, they're totally literally living like my motto is live every day of life like you're on a runway. And having been on a runway, I can agree. It's kind of cool when you do. But yeah. there's something there's something about wearing certain people's clothes that changes you. Um, when you put on, and I have a lot of Anika's things and you put them on and you feel something. It's like, I've, I've got dresses that I, I, and when she's, and she's all got, and Anika said to me, no, this will look good on you. And I'm like, I don't know. And then you get them and you wear them and you're like, oh my God, I right. feel like dollars. And, and what I love mostly about, what I love a lot about some of the clothes and some of the designs is that when you, purchase them 
they don't require to have like a, a climate controlled room where nobody can come near them. You actually thought about the average person. I'm going to wear this. You know, how am I going to take care of it? How am I going to clean it? How am I, you know, what do I do? Because sometimes you buy, you, you buy designer things and they're great, but it costs you twice as much as you paid for it to have it. To have it longer. Exactly. No, and, my and things are all machine washable, cold water, air dry, or either fluff dry in, in a, in a uh, dryer, but just no heat. I have several gowns, jumpsuits. Okay, I have a lot. And that's what I love about them. I can I can wash them on gentle and I air dry them. I'm not I'm I'm I made a commitment to the purchase, but then the purchase isn't committed to me. I'm, yeah, you don't have to dry clean them. Oh my gosh. And that that to me was like, she's thought about this. This is this is great. These are these are designer clothes that don't require me to take out a loan to have them cleaned. Um, I have I have a dress that I absolutely love that's a designer dress. And every time I wear it, I'm like sweating at going, it's going to cost me $45 or more to have the thing clean. Um, and, and so you tend not to wear it. These clothes are wearable. They're wearable every day. Um, and, 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 I, and I admire that. I admire the fact that you, you thought about all of these things. Um, it, it's just, it just blows my mind. Even something like this. Yeah, it, it, the washing machine. But just looking at it, you're like, oh my God, well, you can, this is the, this particular outfit, this piece, there's so many things you can do with it. You could wear it to a pool. You could wear it out to dinner. You could wear it to a red carpet event. It lends itself to so many things because you thought about each thing you thought about every piece of it. You thought about every element of it before you put it together. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, a, that's just great in terms of being a designer. You've, you've thought about who your client is. And they're not crazy people like me all the time who are like, oh, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, let's. You really you really did. And um, But what draws me more to Anika is what she does outside of all of this. I mean, just how much of yourself you give to the community and it, not just with the unity fest or a black history month, but you, you champion a cause. If there's an underdog, you want this woman on your side because you, when you, when you step into something, it's not halfway, it's both feet. It's both feet. And I've never known you to do anything halfway. I don't with think it's my nature. <laughs> oh God, no! I it, it's no, and I and I see it. I see I see the drive that she's instilled in her children. I see I see the drive that she's trying to instill in her granddaughter. Um, I I I see it. I see that it's infectious. I mean, you've you've got the good sponsors to help you with some of your projects. I see how passionate you and Keisha are. This is the year of Anika Brown and. Aside from maybe getting into Macy's or something like that, what what is your well, if you have them, what's your goal for twenty twenty four? My goal for twenty twenty four is just to expand on my audience, <clears throat> to expand on my audience, and to just take over the United States, and then oh. after that, then I want to go worldwide. I see, I see Paris. 
I mean, I Paris, Malia, Paris, Milan, Kenya, Nigeria. <laughs> John and I are doing what we can to get you to Tennessee. <laughs> oh yeah, I would love to go. I can't wait to can't wait to come to Tennessee. It's it's kind of a funny thing was that you know again it's like we, you know we wear things that are that are a little different and I'm like but they shouldn't be, and it's it's always nice when you get good reactions. I. I'm always impressed with what you've done. Um, well, and you. I and you know, I will admit, yes, Anika's a friend, and sometimes she's been, you know, she prods me to 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 stick with my own stuff. What I love about this woman is what you see is what you get. Um, the the clothing is amazing, her commitment is outstanding, and you're never gonna get the BS from her. You're always gonna get the truth and I I admire that. I I watch how hard you work. I watch how hard you've worked when you've been sick. I've watched how hard you worked when nobody wanted to. When it was just me and Keisha, um, I I watched how hard you 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 really worked to build something. I watched the passion you had with that gallery. I've watched how you, I've watched how you supported people who didn't always support you, but they never stopped you from being there. And and I love that. And I, I I encourage you, if you haven't seen Anika's work, you should really see it. If you don't own a piece, it's not going to break the bank, but it's going to make you feel like a bazillion dollars. And, and honestly, this is, a, this is, when you talk about people who are women entrepreneurs, and there's always a reason, oh, I don't have money. I'm a mother. I'm this. I'm that. Here's a person who did it and didn't, didn't didn't sit on these excuses they weren't excuses you just you just did it and and that that is a, a truly a, a tremendous and a wonderful thing because people will will defeat themselves for no reason and you haven't done that and oh. you know it's like i think i think you're the kind of person i could have given you five dollars and you could have created an empire <laughs> I am proud to call you a friend. I am. I am. I am well, the feeling is mutual, and I'm. I'm always happy to wear your work. Um, I. I always feel special when I do. Um, every once in a while, I wear it, and it makes me feel even better because I know the person behind it. And. This is and when she starts to do these pop-up stores, people go because when you know the person behind the work, I think it gives it a whole a whole different meaning and a whole different perspective. And this is your opportunity to meet Anika Brown. And I think it's great. So February 15th, we can see you at the Palm Springs Art Museum. Uh-huh. Unity Fest on March 10th. Uh-huh. And then we see you at Macy's for your first pop-up on the 16th. Yep. I think if I could be here, I would. Um, I really, I really, I'm, I'm so proud of, I'm just so proud to know you and I'm just so pleased for your success. And it's well, continued. you were there during the infancy stage. So you've watched me mature, so to say. You've watched this project of mine grow up. And now I'm starting to see the fruits of my labor. The only thing I used to complain to Anika about with some of her clothes, some of us have muscle arms. And we had a, I remember. It was, yeah. I was always, 
I'd always complain. And the, our other big fight is, what size should you wear? Because I always will say one size, and she'll be like, no. And so we, we argue. But it, <laughs> we do. <laughs> but it's always fun. And it's like, and I always have to go back to her and go, I, how many times have I bought the same thing twice because I really like it? Or I bought the same thing twice because I didn't want something to happen to it. That blue yeah. dress Oh my well, yeah, God. it was because the, the jumpsuit that I had, there was a particular color you wanted, and I had moved on. Oh, yeah, I was not and happy so, about so, that. Yeah, and so you were like, okay, wait a minute. These are so functional. Okay, I really like this, and it's only 69 bucks, so I'll take two. <laughs> so oh, I've got a backup because you don't repeat. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She did a dress one time. I swear to you, I fell in love with it. It was royal blue, and it had a hood. And I loved it. And I was so afraid something would happen to it that I bought it twice. You did. Just in case. Just you've in case. Done that a couple of times. Yeah, you've done that a couple of times. Something might happen to it and I won't be able to get it back. And so I had to do it. And Nika, before we sign off, is there anything you want people to know about you that we? No, I think we pretty, you've covered it all. I mean, you told me stuff about myself I had forgotten. <laughs> I've forgotten about that gallery. Oh my god, I love that that round room. It was great. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a real. But I again, what I loved about that gallery was that it was something different. There was only two other galleries. There was your gallery and one other gallery in Palm Springs that had something a little bit different. Um, when the when the Michael Lord Gallery before it imploded had. Had artists, and they were they were blue chip. They were very expensive, but you know they were. Only I can only think of one person who was there who would surprise you. Other than that, it was it was you know pretty much the same thing you would find in any New York gallery. Um, New York gallery, I was going to see something different. And again, what was cool to me was the way you championed these up and coming artists um, and gave them an opportunity. Um, you gave them a shot and you, you didn't necessarily mother them, but you, you sort of set them on a path as to this is how you do things and this is how you don't do things. Um, and I think, I think that was, that was the, that, I loved that gallery. I was sad to see it go, but trust me, I understand having been in that business, it's not easy. Yeah. The clothing line is a passion. And, and again, I mean, this is probably one of my favorite pieces. Um, and just because you can do so many things with it, it was, it, and, and that's what I loved. It was just, there was just something, I can't tell you how many times, you know, we've both worn this outfit. Um, it, it's just, I can wear it. You can, you can do so many things with it. And, and you, it's just, just pure joy. And and you did it. I mean, you you really really did it. And I'm I'm so proud of. I can say I knew her when. I'm so looking forward to that day when I can go. Yeah, I knew her. <laughs> I I really am, and Nika, I appreciate you spending the time with us. And I'm. We'll do everything we can to help promote the upcoming um, Macy's events, uh, the Unity event. And the museum. Um, I'm gonna say this is this is just not only a great talent; she's a great friend, and I'm blessed to have you in my life. And thank you again for thank coming you for in. Having me. 
crazy world. <laughs> this is a crazy world. And this is colliding world. And, you know, stay tuned. We'll always have something else coming along the way. Um, this will be one of my favorites, though. So I want to say goodbye and, and thank you all for being a part of being a part of colliding worlds in my world. Colliding Worlds is sponsored in part by Always Here, now streaming on Amazon Prime, starring Jody Littman, Angela Romeo, and Steve Ciceron. Always Here. Some say the rules are made by the future, but in the LaFleur home, the past controls the future. Join them and the entire cast of Always Here. After all, a mother's love is forever. Now streaming on Amazon Prime.